Searchlight Rainbow Conversations with Tony and Jasper on Bay FM 100.3. Welcome to Searchlight Rainbow Conversations right here on Bay FM 100.3. My name is Tony. And I'm Jazz. Thanks for joining us this evening for the second part of our two-part conversation on transgender awareness. In tonight's program, we're going to talk about transgender physicality, what the processes and pathways are available for people choosing to transition. Searchlight Rainbow Conversations is an all-inclusive program that looks at topics around the LGBTQIA communities, or as we like to say here, the rainbow. We are taking a long look at the transgender part of the rainbow community because they experience higher rates of depression, anxiety, self-harm and suicide than any other group. This is directly correlated to experiences of transphobia, bullying, harassment and misunderstanding on what it is to be transgender. Tonight we are joined by return guest Jo to hear about her journey of transitioning. Then later in the program we'll be talking to Dr Fiona Bishop, a leader in transgender and gender diverse advocacy. We'll be, we would like to point out that we do not represent the transgender or gender diverse people or all aspects of the rainbow. We are on a journey of discovery through the ever-changing landscape of gender expression and continue to find the endless diversity of the human race. Now, some of the content in tonight's program may be triggering to some listeners. We will be giving details of where to access plenty of support services later in the program, but if you need to talk to somebody right now, we recommend calling QLife on 1-800-184-527. I'll give you that number again, 1-800-184-527. Alternatively, you can live chat with them on qlife.org.au. And they are really an amazing bunch of volunteers at QLife. They so are. That's worth checking out. Now, if you'd like to get involved in the conversation this evening, you can send us a text message to the Bay FM SMS line 0468 861003 and give us your perspective or experiences or if you have a question for one of our guests you can send that through just send a text message to 0468 861003 and you can remain anonymous if you like and the name of the com- the name of the program is rainbow conversations and we would like you to be a part of the conversation so if you do have any questions send them through if you find the whole transgender conversation too overwhelming and you've got questions, send them through. We would love to hear from you. And on the day today of today's broadcast, it is actually Transgender Awareness Week. And on the 20th of November, it'll be Transgender Day of Remembrance. And we're going to talk about both of those a bit later on. But it's also, today, is marking four years since the yes vote for marriage equality went through, which is a huge milestone. Four years today. Today. So that's, it seems like a lot longer, but it's been, it it's been a big couple of years, I guess, for everyone. Yes. Well, you are on Bay FM 100.3. We are the heart and the soul of the Bay. And this is Searchlight. Rainbow Conversations. 
Searchlight Rainbow Conversations with Tony and Jasper on Bay FM 100.3. You are listening to Bay FM with Searchlight Rainbow Conversations. Our uh, part two of our two-part transgender awareness episodes. Tonight, we are talking transgender physicality. And if you would like to weigh in on the conversation, please send us a text message to 0468 86 1003. You can remain anonymous if you wish. Now, what we're talking about is people's gender expression, bodies, and personal medical history. It's always important to remember to be respectful, avoid making assumptions about another person, and accept their right to individuality. It's really key because we're getting into people's business. Tonight we're going to talk about the ways people receive medical affirmation. Firstly, I think we need to talk about one of the big takeaways from part one of this two-part conversation. And that is not every person that is transgender wants to go through medical gender-affirming surgeries or have hormone treatments. This is a big misconception. And I'll have to admit that a year ago when we first started the Searchlight Rainbow Conversations, I myself had an image of what it was to be transgender. And I, you know, the media sort of portrays people, you know, going through the the treatments. And and it's been a great learning curve personally and throughout this Searchlight to find out that there is so much more than that surface of what what it means to be transgender. Absolutely. And one of the other important things that I took away from the first episode that really resonated and a few of the people I've spoken to since then is that not all people socially who, who socially transition go through a medical transition and identify as trans. So some people just identify as their chosen gender. They do not identify as a, a trans woman. They just identify as a woman. Yes. So it, that was a really important part. And we did touch on it in the first episode, but I really wanted to go get that driven home again. Mm-hmm. The trans and gender diverse portion of our community are just like, are just as unique and varied as any other cross section of the population. And it's unwise to put all people from that group into the same box or assume that they have the same experiences. You've really got to accept that there is a, a huge diversity within the trans community. Well, and within all communities, you'll find, you know, not everyone from the country likes country music. You know, like there's there's shades of grey with everything, everything yep. and that includes the trans Every, everything community. Is, everything is some kind of a spectrum, absolutely. Yes. And there are several other parts of this conversation that we haven't looked into, like trans people having access to gender-affirming documents that can be different in each state and vastly different overseas. It's actually a really good resource to find out more about different statuses in different countries. Um, If you go to the website transrespect.org, they've got information on all the different countries and what you you need to know about trans uh, activities in those countries. It's really interesting. It's interactive Mm. and, and a wealth of knowledge. Excellent. And just going back to why we've split up the two parts Mm. how we have and one of the 
turning points for the trans conversation in my mind, strangely enough, was watching a YouTube clip one day of an interview with Laverne Cox. Mm. And it was on the Wendy Williams show. And basically, now I'm paraphrasing here, I haven't watched the clip in a while, but it still resonates in my mind, the point that Laverne was driving home. Because basically it was, hello, welcome to the talk show. Are those your real breasts? Which shocked me. And, you know, Wendy William has had implants, so that conversation often does come up mm-hmm. on her show. However, Laverne Cox very quickly said, I don't answer questions like that anymore. Because generally, being a trans woman, I get asked about what I have had done surgically often. And it is often one of the first questions that I do get asked. And so because of that reason, I don't answer those questions anymore because being trans is not about surgery. It's not whether I have implants or not. If you want to have a conversation about being trans, let's have it. But if don't, let's not start that conversation with, uh, you know, are they implants? Hmm. Uh, have you had this done? How how far have you gone with the surgeries? So that was one of the main things that split the conversation in my mind. Mm. I did stand up in the lounge room and go, yes, Laverne, you tell them. Um, it was such a, a an obvious statement, but it needed to be said because it had never even occurred in my mind mm. that that is often such a leading part of the conversation and it sh- really shouldn't be. Yeah, it is the you know the the way it's portrayed that you know to to be trans you are mm. physically transitioning but it's no it is it's yeah. so much more than that so much more diversity than that. And that's why in part 1 it was all about the social journey and the internal journey and the mental the mindset hmm. of a trans uh, of a person in the trans community, mm-hmm. however they identify, that's how did you get to that? Instead of, so, how you know? Tell us about the surgeries you've yeah. gone through, and that's why we are treading very respectfully in this in this landscape. And I'm very excited. Later on the program, we are talking to Dr. Fiona Bishop about the medical side of it. And look, we don't have a medical background. We don't we no. don't know this. But we are going to be joined by an absolute expert in that, and we're going to have someone else showing, uh, talking about their their journey. But we're going to run through a few of the logistics of it um, before we do that. And look, other takeaways from the first episode: things that really need to be reinforced. Pronouns. We've yes. spoken about it several times on the program on Searchlight, and it is one of the forefronts in giving safe spaces for trans people. And it, it's a simple thing. Tony, you came up with a great little analogy for, for how to inquire about pronouns. I had a light bulb moment uh, a couple of weeks back and I thought, how do I explain the best way to ask someone about pronouns? And I thought, it's very similar if you're out and about and you've forgotten someone's first name or you've forgotten how to pronounce their last name, would you shout that across the room and go, 
Cheryl, what was your last name? I can't, oh, I can't remember. Or would you quietly, when you have a moment, go, look, I'm so sorry, I've forgotten how to pronounce your last name. Or I've, I've completely, I remember you, but I, I just cannot remember your first name. I'm so sorry. I think it's pretty relatable. Most people have forgotten someone's name. Yeah. I'm sure. And so it's the same way that you would respectfully ask those questions. You would also respectfully ask, oh, can I just ask, um, what what's your preferred pronouns? Just so I, I know moving forward. Oh, okay. He, him, she, her, they, them, however they choose whatever pronouns they want. It's very similar to that. It's just, can I just quickly ask, just so I know? Mm. That's a really great, great little tip. Yeah. 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 And it's not, uh, if you do it in the right way and they know that you're doing it with the right intention, it should be fine. Yeah. And that way you are then using the pronouns they prefer, which yes. is, that is the goal at the end of the day. And look, I've been caught out. There's a family friend who has gone through transitioning and my parents and myself occasionally get caught out and use the wrong pronoun and we have to go, oh, no. And it is, especially when someone is going through the, the social transitioning, it is difficult because they they might be presenting in different ways at different times. So it, it can, you've been used to referring to someone in a certain way for a certain amount of time. It is really important, especially for younger people when they when they go no no I'm this mm. do it and look that also ties into the chosen names versus the dead names which is the one yes. of the terms I've heard that's the the old name or some sometimes I say no that's my that's my boy name or you know there's a few different terms for that mm-hmm. but basically when someone goes this is my name this is my this is my pronouns this is my gender you have to accept it you have to if if you're not doing that you are doing trans denial or you're blocking them you are being transphobic Uh, even if it's unintentional transphobia if you refuse to use their new name that's it's not okay that's not okay at all Uh, or just because you know because they're a personal friend you know that they haven't had a Mm. gender affirming surgery so you still use their original name instead of the name they choose. That's a that you're being transphobic, and yep. you need to get over it. Yeah, move with what people want. It's, yes, it's about a personal identity. And another misconception that we're addressing tonight is, uh, and we addressed in the first episode, mm. trans kids. So many people have issues with transgender children yeah i've had some comments come through regarding the fact that children's brains have not developed so why are they able to make these decisions earlier and we're going to talk about that with dr fiona later because she'll be able to give a good medical background of that from the research i've done it is not the way it is always portrayed it is not there is no surgery being done on small children no that that is a, a big part of it and look, I think we need to touch on the fact that it is um, Trans Awareness Week. Yes. And that's really important. So Transgender Awareness Week runs from November 13th to November 19th. And it's a celebration and a time to shine the spotlight on 
the awareness of transgender people and all of these topics we're talking about today. And every year, a lot happens, a lot changes. And the conversation is constantly trying to be shifted away from the number of trans people that have been killed, which unfortunately continues to rise every year. And 2021 has been, again, the highest year. But that, that seems to be the dominant focus. And part of that is more trans people are being counted as as trans. So the, the, the murder rates might have always been staggeringly horrible, but now we are actually acknowledging that those people are trans and that is why someone is mm. committing violence against yeah. them. And also, <clears throat> pardon me, um, it is when kids realise that the body that they're in doesn't match their actual gender identity in their headspace. Mm. That happens, as we heard in part one, as early as four. Yeah. And if those kids aren't loved, affirmed, and treated like a natural child and it's part of the human experience, when they hit puberty, that's when they enter the very dangerous statistics of self-harm, mm. depression, anxiety, and even suicide. Mm. From a very young age. A very young age. And it's heartbreaking. So we we need to have these conversations so we know, so you know at home, that this is part of the human experience. Mm. And it's if these kids have parents or caregivers, aunties, uncles, grandparents, whatever, who have heard the terms, know these pathways, and that when they do come out and say, I don't, or or even sometimes they don't come out to their parents, their parents see the behaviour. Yes. And they can then access the support and you can save lives because you you can't do it any other way than, than supporting there's other, another two other dates that um, are important in the transgender calendar, and mm-hmm. that's November 20th, which is coming up, which is Transgender Day of Remembrance. And that's a time when we remember all those people who have lost their lives in the just because they're choosing to affirm their gender the way they want to. Yeah. And that's really sad, and that's that's been going on since 1999. Right. When... Let me get the get the name right for that. Um, the murder of um, Barry Winchell. Right. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, for dating a trans person, and that. Oh. And it's so sad that all these people are doing are living their truths. Yep. Let people live their truths. Love people for living their truths. And then the other the other day is March the thirtieth which is Trans Day of Visibility. So these three different dates have different aspects. So the, the Trans Awareness Week, which we're in now, it, you know, it's about these conversations and all these other conversations to, to shine the spotlight. You've got the day to remember. And then the Day of Visibility is something different. It's more about showing how many trans people there are. There's a lot, I think in, in the school system, in the primary school system in Australia, there's about 1.5% of the kids are identifying as trans, Mm -hmm. which when you think about the population of Australia, that's huge. Yes. That's a lot of people. So, you know, you you don't think you know anyone who's trans. Well, 
chances are they really, really could. You just, you just don't know it. So that day of visibility on March 30th is about those people being able to show that they're out there. Yeah. We see you. Mm. We love you. That's it. You're, they're your neighbours. They're your friends. Yeah. So that's they're the kids of your neighbours. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And they need, they need support because mm. these figures are, are terrible and we really need to progress that uh, conversation forward. But so the other date today is the fourth year anniversary of the marriage equality vote. How has it only been four years? Oh, I'm not sure. Maybe the pandemic just seems makes it feel like the last two years have been definitely close to a but decade in itself. What does that have to do with the transgender conversation, Tony? Please tell me, Jazz. Well, during the marriage equality vote, the conversation was all on same-sex couples' right to get married. And several people in the trans community or who have their finger on the pulse of that have highlighted to me that the trans community were completely pushed under the rug during that whole conversation. They weren't involved in it, they weren't part of it. It was all about same-sex couples getting married and it wasn't about trans trans awareness actually went backwards in that in that time apparently. So it's it's interesting that in the last four years we, we have had a push for those trans rights coming to the forefront. And I'm really glad about that because it is an important an important part. And look, you know, the, their struggle's been going on a long time. The, the first person to um, publicly acknowledge that they had had a sex change was in 1952 in America. 52. Yeah, Christine Jorgensen. So that's you know, it's been a, that's a it's a long time ago. So there's a lot a lot has happened in that time. So 70 years this has been going on and we're still at the, this is what a trans person is. This mm. is how they identify. And it's it's been a slow march for the trans community. Yes. and But there are great services out there. And, you know, even even things like when, when someone is having, about to have um, medical affirming surgery, they might need access to fertility services so they can, you know, because they might not be able to conceive children, so they can have eggs or sperm frozen, so they can have biological offspring later in life. So there's there's all these little parts of the puzzle that are falling into place now and, and becoming really commonplace. And Australia is leading the way with that, and we're going to talk about that with, with Dr Fiona later because she knows far more than we do about that. What an intelligent human being. Just just amazing. It's um, It's a privilege to be able to chat to to her about that. Yes. Yeah. Now, the next song we're going to hear is actually a uh, pretty important one in the conversation. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's an artist called Damien from Ipswich. And okay. we really briefly talked about uh, Damien's, uh, this song in part one, very briefly. We didn't have time to play the song. However, uh, I thought it was very important to play the song during this, uh, tonight, just because the film clip is so um, inclusive and it is all about uh, trans women, trans women of colour, their experiences, and the film clip is filled with direct quotes from people in the trans community. 
So I highly recommend it. And it's good. Bay FM, we always like to play local music. So this is uh, Damien with their cover of Your Woman. And coming up next, we'll be talking with the returning guest, Joe. Is that right, Jazz? Correct, yeah. We're going to have Joe on the line and chatting about her personal journey through transitioning. Wonderful. You're on Rainbow Conversations right here on Bay FM 100.3. You're listening to Searchlight on Bay FM 100.3. Thanks for joining us this evening on Bay FM 100.3 for this very important conversation about transgender physicality. It is Transgender Awareness Week at the moment, and we are thrilled to be joined by a return guest, Joe, who was here last, uh, last, last month for the part one of the transgender conversation, talking about transgender identity, and Joe has joined us again. So welcome to Rainbow Conversations for a second time, Joe. How are you? Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to have you back, and we really appreciate you being so open and, and chatting to us about your personal journey, and it, it's not an easy thing to do. It's, it's, it's okay, actually. It's not too bad, because if we can help things, you know, make things easier for those behind us and, and educate perhaps a few people, that would be wonderful. Look, that's definitely the, uh, the goal here, is to just talk about things you know talking about things can only make it better when you know we're not um we're not pushing an agenda here other than equality? acceptance equality understanding and you know it's it's awareness week so you know let's let's talk about the awareness let's talk about the the aspects of what it is to be transgender and with the medical side of it it really is a, a different beast the you know the the identity part of it it's that's a very personal thing, but when you're talking medical side of it, where you know there's a lot of terminology, there's a lot of um, facets to it that are harder to get our head around, our heads around. But you know, we're luckily we've got we've got great people to chat to. Exactly. And before we dive into um, the the lovely questions we've got for you, Joe, this evening, uh, you brought up a really interesting point about what we were just talking about: uh, trans kids. Would you mind sharing that? Uh, no, I don't mind sharing that. Um, I've I've heard it said often, um, you know, on many occasions, that uh, you know, young kids like they're not old enough or mature enough to know uh, that they're transgender, and that might well be the case. But they do know that they don't fit anywhere. They certainly know there's something different and they know that from as early as they can possibly have memory. Yeah. Similar to uh, myself and other people in the uh, under the G in the LGBT rainbow alphabet, um, we didn't know that we were gay as small kids, but we knew that we were slightly different to other people in the, mm. in the classroom. It is amazing how, how yeah. young people do know. Yeah, yeah. And, and well, I guess at that age you're, um, you're honest and, and far more aware of your feelings before society's had too much time to um, put shreds of illusions or whatever around you. Yeah, absolutely. Now, Joe, last time you were here, you spoke about the epiphany you had when Joe revealed herself, was your exact terms there, and it was deeply moving and 
really fascinating. Now, after that happened, where where did you where did you go to start your journey? Um, the journey started when I was born. <laughs> okay. Um, Good but, point, Joe. Uh, Good point. Yes. Uh, after the reveal, um, yeah, yeah, that was. Uh, I, I mean, like many people, I'm sure uh, there was quite a few signposts along the way, but I, I didn't either take notice of them or I pushed them away or whatever. Busy doing what I thought you should be doing, which is your assigned gender. Um, yeah, after the reveal, it was quite radical. I had to actually spend the next day um, just contemplating and trying to work out what do I do with this. Um, and and I spent quite a deal of time thinking about that and I formed a, a perception, I, I suppose you'd call it, of who and what Joe was. And then I had to go about making that work, I suppose, because the, the the biggest thing that came out of it initially was I always thought there was choice in this, um, but clearly there there was little choice, and the only choice you could make would be to reject it, and I think we all know where that goes. Um, and Or, or you just go ahead and, and, and get stuck into it, you know? And I opted for the second one, of course. Good and, on you. Uh, yeah, so so off we went. Now, it, it's it's quite relevant um, for what's happened since then. Was my initial perception of who and what Joe was, and my perception was not at that point understanding I'd been Joe forever. Um, the the perception was that Joe had been in a cage or locked away or whatever uh, solitary confinement, um, and I had to. Kill Off the Old Me was was one of the projects, which is where you get your dead name from. Um, and, then, and then I had to get to learn who Joe was and get to know Joe and work out who, how we were going to live, what was going to happen. Uh, initially, I thought, oh, because of where I live, I just thought, well, probably middle of the road unisex that might do, you know, but it became very clear very quickly that that wasn't going to work. Um, but... Yeah, as, as as we progress down the journey, and I'll, I'll leave you to ask questions, I'll get to that part later, but yeah, yeah, I, I, I spent quite a deal of time, and from the reveal till when I actually started the the full-on transition journey was uh, it was early December 2020, and I started um, at a gender clinic on the 2nd of March this year. Right. So it's it's very recent. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And 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 as you'd imagine, like these things normally take people a lot of time. Um, for me, though, I'm I'm an older person, and and I figured that probably haven't got that much lo- lo- longer left, you know, walking around on the planet. So we better get into it and uh, get stuck into it. And and there was no other, um, oh, I suppose. Not not mitigating circuit. That's the wrong word. Uh, no other complications for me because I'm I'm alone. I live alone. I have a little dog who's my best mate, and and that's it. And it doesn't really hasn't hasn't had. I, I I've done a lot of talking to people on the Beyond Blue forums in the LGBT area, and mostly about trans stuff. And there's so many people 
older people discovering this, you know, the, the gender dysphoria and everything gets to a point where it, it hits you in the face and you've got to actually confront it, um, I think, for a lot of people. They kind of do know, but they they keep putting it off. Um, and they have families and they have kids and grandkids and stuff. I have those too, but but I've been alone for many, many years and, and it really sort of, they, all the kids accept that that's no problem. Um, so... Yeah, I, I didn't have all these dramas that so many people seem to have when they actually uh, come out, as they call it. And, um, yeah, yeah it, it, it was interesting, very interesting. And so how did you start? Did you talk to a doctor? Did you talk to one of the support groups online? Where, was it the gender clinic? Yeah, where? what was your, your first step in the process? Okay, Um after the reveal, I got stuck into the internet and I was already involved, but not with trans, but, but I did look on the LGBT side of things um, with Beyond Blue forums. And so I actually went on the net to look up. I got, I got in touch with... Uh, there's a local person that's got to... I don't know what, 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 what he has to do with it directly... Um, but he sort of organises out, out in this rural area uh, stuff with anything but straight, and he put an ad up for me, and which would go local. And I met a, a trans person, and and we didn't actually physically meet for quite some time, but that trans person gave me a whole lot of information, and, and they're an older person, and they actually came from a, a time they sort of live half as their you know their their old self and half as the other half um oh. and 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 they have to do that there's a few people around that, that can handle doing that um anyway uh, this person gave me some information which was very depressing um and and it was very outdated and that's why it was depressing because it was actually quite wrong and I went on the net and I looked for gender clinics and I figured well okay we'll lay triage it for younger people obviously there's, there's, you know, that's more important, and I think you'll go into the medical side of that tonight anyway. Mm, we will, we will later on getting... with uh, Dr Fiona. Yeah, 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 so they don't have to go through puberty. You can block that off, and once they do that, then you've got time to play with it um, and, and work it all out. <clears throat> so anyway, I spent just one long, was a week before the 2nd of March, whatever, I went down to a, a, a rural town and... And saw some people, and and it turned out in a in a sexual health clinic, and I was given that number by a friend who. And that's a, a fairly long story, which I'm not going to recant on the radio. But I was given <laughs> the number by a friend, and 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 it actually everything from well everything from Joe's reveal actually. I have I, all my life I swam upstream, and I haven't really had to swim upstream since Joe revealed, and it's been very interesting. Um, yeah, this person gave me the number. I went to this clinic. This doctor I saw at the clinic is is a doctor elsewhere, and they come and work one day a week if they can get there. And I managed to jag this doctor just before lunchtime, and the doctor was friends with someone who just opened a gender clinic in this place, and it had been open for years, and the bloke retired, and no one picked it up. And, and anyway, the doctor I saw on this original day said to me, will you wait? You know, you want to hang around and I'll talk to this person at lunchtime. So, right, we did that. And then 
I got called back up to the place and I got some paperwork and the phone number and I raced downstairs and grabbed the phone and, and uh, rang up the number and, and I had, that was on a Thursday, and I had a gender clinic appointment at 1pm the following Thursday. And it, it just never looked back after that. It just, just, it's just rolled along and, and it's just been, you know, the most most wonderful um, experience I've had with all the people, especially all the, the, the health people. Uh, they've just been really wonderful. It's 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 been extremely good, and it just keeps going. It hasn't. I, I've had a few meltdowns along the way, and things have happened, you know. But it's part of the journey and working out stuff that you have to work out. And I discovered a a method which probably doesn't work for everyone, but I live alone, so it's actually um, very handy for me. And uh, it's journaling, and I've discovered that if you really, really need to know that somehow you can get in touch with your subconscious by journaling and uh, especially when you're in a bit of stress and, and, and strife, I suppose, uh, and, and your hand does the writing and it comes back with stuff that's not really, you know, normally when you write, you think about what you're writing, but mm-hmm. once you get into journaling, and this only happens at certain times, you can sit down to journal and you're just doing a diary, but sometimes your hand just runs away and it, it tells you, it tells you what you need to know. And it's, it's really, really interesting. I don't know how it works. It's um, called auto writing, it's called. It's, it's wonderful. It's really wonderful. And I, I have, over my lifetime, had copious amounts of talking therapy and stuff. And, and I've had, I was diagnosed eons ago, many, many decades ago, as having a very severe anxiety disorder before we had PTSD, it was. Um, and untreatable, but maybe, you know, we can learn how to get along with it sort of thing. And there was always a missing piece. And, and I don't know, because I haven't spoken to other people on, about this stuff, but perhaps that's fairly common. There's a, a missing piece, you know. My childhood was pretty ordinary and I only remember a few things and... and uh, and there was one bit that was really, really super clear, and it was only a small fragment in time, but it was on a, a very uh, well-known day. Um, it was when the when um, John Landy, I think it was, lit the flame at the Olympics in Melbourne in 1956 because we were actually going to see that um, thing. Mm-hmm. And I was four years old. And, yeah, I was four years old. And, and that, yeah, it, and it goes back to a bit further than that too, but... I've always had that memory, but I didn't know where it fitted. And, uh, yeah, through journaling and stuff, I've, I've worked that out. And it's changed my life in, in a very good way. Um, I was trying to unlearn behaviours from the old me and things weren't going very well. And, uh, anyway, yeah. Interesting. So, uh, hmm. And since you went to the gender clinic that day and you said that you've, you haven't had to swim upstream since... And before we go into, you know, the the physical and medical options that you have chosen, how is how much easier is it as a human being not having to swim upstream all the time? Oh, just <laughs> I, I I I'm trying to think of an analogy. It's it's just I, I've known real happiness since December last year. I've known um, many things. It's just been totally wonderful. It's really beautiful. There is, however, prices to pay on all of this is, 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 because as, as it seems, 
you and you were talking about, you know, the Remembrance Day, oh, I think Friday it is or mm. next Saturday. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, 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 it's one we should all bear in mind, of, of course, because, um, yeah, you, you're turning your back on society as you know it. Uh, it, it and I, you guys probably get that one too, I guess. Um, it, it, because I lived with, you know, um, uh, I'm trying to think of the word now. Um, uh, the word eludes me. But growing up as a male, yeah, um, I I had that 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 male, you know. Um, oh, geez, I wish I could. Sorry. Uh, yeah. Any. You'll find it anyway. I will. I'll find it. It'll come to me. Um, um, we talk about it in in um, uh, they they talk about it in racism. They say you have that white oh, privilege. male privilege or cisgender yeah, privilege. Male, yeah, male, well, I hadn't thought of it as cisgender. I just thought of it as male privilege, but it probably is. You've just been, yeah, enlightened me on that. Um, yeah, so if you grow up with male privilege, it's like there's no possible way you can really understand. Yeah, you know, what it would be like to grow up as a female. It, it's it's just so different, and and I I notice that a lot because life is completely different now in in that sense. Whereas where I'd go and do something, I wouldn't think twice about it or whatever. And now I have to be very careful and think about stuff, you know, and make sure you don't, as far as you can, not without being too paranoid, put yourself in positions that that could be quite detrimental. In many ways, but uh, apart from that, yeah, yeah, I, it's just not not swimming upstream. It's just yeah, everything's just opened Easier. up and oh, like yeah, but it just flowed. Oh. Uh, I, I've, I've never, you know, I've had to work for everything. Everything I did, you, you've got to you've got to work for it. You've got to make it work. You've got to you know um, adjust times, places, things, this, that. Now it all just flows. That is so beautiful to hear. It's almost like it was worth the wait. <laughs> definitely. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, definitely worth the wait. All right, Joe, I'm going to ask a, a tough one now. If you don't mind answering the following question, what hormone treatment or surgeries have you gone through that you're willing to share with us this evening? Well, like most trans people, I... I um, I use patches, oestrogen, um, to feminise as much as I can. Uh, of course, I have a male body, so um, it's it's not totally male. It's you know sort of as a kid, I was I've always actually had a figure. So anyway, um, so and I have one now, um, but mm-hmm. only slight one, but you can't see it. Um, and and I had I have had surgery, but. I wanted a little bit more than what I got, and I've been living with the bit that's left. And, and truly, I've been suffering from gender dysphoria for quite a little while now, and I'm going to talk to someone in the bigger town, a fair way from here, mm-hmm. uh, a surgeon, a surgeon later on this month, and we're going to get that bit gone as well, which will be really, really good. Um, I thought when we first had the reveal, I thought, well, you know, I read that people, they have varying 
um, levels of comfort with being, you know, certain amount trans or a bit more or a bit more. Um, for me, it's it's pretty full on. Um, I'm not not going down the vagina road or anything like that. I'm too old for that. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the, even the the, the um, there's another one, um, labiaplasty. I think they call it. Uh, it won't be that, but um, yeah, yeah. Because I've, I've only got the um, the male bit left now, mm-hmm. and and it's, it's just got to go and have the female profile. That's that's what I chase, and that's pretty much that will be it for surgery. Um, and uh, yeah, just try and get back to. <laughs> it won't because because it's not. I don't have male privilege anymore, and I don't want it. I, it's funny though because after after the reveal, there's a, a little bit of I, I'll add in here. I realised that you know how you we were talking about feeling different. Um, I I um, didn't realise, but I actually never celebrated masculinity. I was doing it as a chore. Because that was my assigned gender, mm-hmm. and I had I had to do that. That's what you do. And coming from the years back where I come from, you know, that you, you could probably not that long ago too, you could still score a lobotomy if you were trans. So you know, didn't want to go there. Yeah, um, it is a very recent you know, story. Those stories, yeah. Well, some parts of the world, it's, I think, it's yeah. still current. Yeah. Yeah, 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 and uh, yeah. So, so I. Uh, yeah, sure. I've lost my thread. Yeah, no, yeah, that's yeah. okay. So it was the gender clinic that put you onto the estrogen patches. Is that right? Yes, yes. They, they. The first visit I had there, and I went in there. Like I went the week before to the other clinic, and I was there as the old me, and and I looked very old and wrecked, and I, I clearly was just waiting to die. Um, <laughs> it sounds awful, but you know, sort of what it was like, and it sort of had enough, you know. And and they, it's a funny thing, the lady said to me, the receptionist said to me, I was the only person in the waiting room, she said, oh, you know, what do you want to be called? And I thought, geez, no one's ever asked me that before. Like, kind of, only one other person knows about this. And I, I just held the Medicare card out. I said, that's the name. She said, no, no, not that name. What do you, what, what do you want to be called? I said, oh, Joe. And I said, yeah, right. And they called me Joe. And then when I went to the gender clinic, they just straight away called me Joe, you know. And and I didn't realise till I got. I'm just trying to. I don't want to say town names, but no, I, that's fine. I, we... 90, 90 k's into a 500 k journey, right? Um, back to back to home, and and I, I I suddenly clicked on why everybody calling me Joe had been so wonderful, and I didn't actually realise. And I didn't look like Joe then. I looked like the old person, and and all of a sudden I realised about what we're talking about pronouns and stuff, but names, particularly names and, and getting the gender right. Um, and, and it was it, it's, it's gender affirmation. And it mm. just felt really, really, really good. It was like having a bath in champagne, I think, if that's, if that's not. Oh, but, that sounds delightful. Oh, and that's, <laughs> that is really heartwarming to hear that something so simple has such a profound effect a life-changing implication to you that that someone was able to just give you that gift of well, you know, what do you want to be called? Like that's that's so beautiful, Joe. Yeah, it, it it's quite amazing, and you'd be surprised. I mean, now I'm I'm Joe to a lot of people, and and then to the ones I'm not, 
where I live around here. A lot of them don't even recognise me anyway, so that's fine with me. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I um, have still, and it might be because of where I live too, but I'm, I'm pretty shy. I'm pretty shy in many ways, and, and, and my confidence is still very, very, you know, very um, in a box, so to speak. I, I can't really go rumbling out and just go and do stuff. I, I have a friend down in the town the gender clinic is and uh, she's trans and she's lovely and, and she's been my rock, really. Uh, but I didn't get to meet her till oh, March, April, would have been May this year. I had met her once before at another place many years ago and I was very impressed with her confidence. Just And, and I wasn't thinking about trans then. I just thought, wow trends and she's yeah so confident and 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 she's really cool and 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 I've spent a bit of time with her doing stuff op shopping and get we go camping occasionally and stuff and and it's just like yeah you know just to get back to what I was saying about the male privilege to get back to life how it felt when you had male privilege where you just feel like you can just go and do stuff and you don't have to think about it Mm -hmm. um and 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 of course the other thing with confidence is when you're start you know transition that I've been many years in the other gender and 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 you you feel like people are looking at you and stuff and sometimes they do but most times they're not they're just doing whatever they're doing yeah it's that power of having the community around now during the process of this what support services were you able to access very luckily through a friend out here who's in the medical uh, in the mental health area a friend of mine actually um, gave us some information about a particular doctor out here that, that works in this country, and I don't get to be able to see that doctor very often. The, the access to that doctor is not very good. I'm going to have to find another one for day-to-day stuff, but there's doctors out here that are definitely not affirming, um, and you really don't want to kind of meet that stuff. It's pretty ordinary. Mm. Uh, and And... and but most of the people I've met out here in the medical field have been really good. But this one particular doctor is absolutely it, it, very, very, very affirming and, and really kind and uh, good. If I have to go, most of the gender clinic stuff now, I can get blood forms sent out to me in the mail or prescriptions and I can um, have teleconference, you know. So I don't really need to go in there. I do like to go in there occasionally, and I really like the doctor, and, and we get on really well, and it's just like a bit of a holiday trip for me. So, nice. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a thousand K round trip, but, you know, oh, who cares? That's lucky you like driving. Joe, a thousand K round trip. Well, it's a hundred. It's a hundred. It's a hundred and eighty k's to go and see this doctor. I'm talking about. So that's um, three hundred and sixty k round trip to go to the doctor. I was there there last week. My goodness. Well, yeah. We'll um. We might throw to a song, and then we'll come back to Joe and have a little bit more of a chat. And um, I think it's time for uh perhaps the Kinks with some Lola. But we'll be right back on Rainbow Conversations with our wonderful returning guest. Joe, right here on Bay FM 100.3. Searchlight on Bay FM 100.3. Connect with us by SMS on 0468 86 1003. Thank you for joining us this evening for this 
Transgender Awareness double episode right here on Searchlight Rainbow Conversations. We're joined again by Jo going through her story of transitioning. So thanks for joining us, Jo. Thank you for having me. Now, one of the questions that has come up quite a bit in this conversation is the cost involved of transitioning. Um, can you tell us a bit about the cost for your surgeries, your hormones, all, all those factors? I mean, obviously, you're doing a 1,000K round trip, so you're doing a fair bit of driving, but what are the, what are the medical costs you've come up against? Um, just there's, there's been no cost at the gender clinic, um, and uh, I, I, we were just talking about that. I'm not sure what the... I use patches, and I think it's probably like 20, 25 maybe dollars worth of patches a month. It's it's not horrendous. It's, it's less, really less than, not. Less than I spend on coffee. Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, exactly. Good comparison, yeah. Jazz. Because yeah. mm. I, I, I assume, and I, I hate to assume, but um, the... Some people of the general public that have spoken to me have assumed that the process costs thousands and thousands of dollars. And it's... I think those figures might come from America where nothing's subsidised at all. I think Australia has gotten better with that, I believe, but... Okay. Yeah. But it's so good to hear that you only need to spend, like, you know, max, not including travel time or travel costs, but $30 per month. Is wonderful to hear. Yeah, yeah, no, it's it's excellent. I I, I used to um, use estrogen, but in a very low dose for a a um, uh, it assisted in my anxiety drug, uh, and, and and we go back to the eighties, I think, or even yeah, it was the early eighties. There was a doctor in America using testosterone or estrogen to treat anxiety. And he was having incredibly good results, and probably <laughs> he was he was able to find all the trans people um, because when you when you uh, are trans, if you get the right hormone in you, it's like coming home. It's really beautiful, and and it either either way, you know, whether you're trans male or a trans female, uh, the first time you put that stuff in your body, you suddenly realise that uh, there's something really important happening. It's what feels right. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's like coming home, and then when 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 I got rid of the testosterone, it was like coming home again. Oh, now a big part of the the conversation is about community and having a support group. Now, you were telling me before we went on air that you had a bit of a, a group meeting this week with some people you know, and you had a a trans. Awareness Week um, celebration with with a beautiful cake. What's the, what is the yeah, uh, what's yeah. the, the the group you have and how how important is that to you to have that connection? Oh, that's incredibly important. Um, there's a few trans people in the group, but it's a broader group than that. It's one of the rural pride groups. Okay. Um, and and uh, it, it that that they have rural pride in many areas now around Queensland. Um, um, I'm just trying to think of the one in Gladstone. Uh, it's called uh, Queensland Regional Pride, and and that guy kind of pulls them all together, which is really good. 
and so if we put up a, an event, it'll get sucked up onto his page, so it'll go statewide because most people in their local prides have, have, have hooked up to his one as well, um, and that's that's really good. Uh, so yeah, yeah, it was. It, we we've been um, becoming a little bit more visible because up until then it sort of wasn't visible uh, up until some months ago and the young lass that started the Pride page um, she's a a young lesbian girl, she's lovely and she came here from elsewhere and was lonely and didn't know anyone so she got the idea well I'll start a Pride page and she did and it worked and uh, yeah and it, it just lets us get to know each other and we've been doing monthly barbecues in, oh, right. in a not in people's face, but it is in a public place. Yeah. Um, it, but but people don't know about it. Only people who to you've got to be. Um, I'm not sure if we. I think uh, if we did put it, we could have put it. It might have actually been on because we got a public page and a group page. Um, you know, so you've got to be a member of the group to read on the group page. Mm-hmm. But it's. Um, it might have been on the public page. It probably was, actually, uh, which is okay because we're good with that. And uh, it, it's been good. And we've got support. And we, we a little while ago, we had uh, 23rd of September, it was, we had a meeting. A few of us got together and decided whether we wanted just to be an organised rabble or if we actually wanted to get a bit more organised and do some projects. And we became, or well, we're becoming, we're nearly there, uh, an unincorporated body working under the which we can't, we can still get grants and things like that now, but we have to do it. We're working with Headspace. Oh, yeah. And yes. we're un, un, uh, under their umbrella. And we're also good mates with Lifeline. They actually supplied all the money for the barbecue the other day. Um, and uh, so, yeah, it's it's really been sort of going ahead. The, the, the page that this last set up has been of great benefit to the small community that, we know exists out here, and we're sure it's much bigger than what we know at this point in time. And it's so good to hear that you found places that would support you. You've, you know, you've done your time in some Beyond Blue therapy groups and all of that stuff, but you've you found what you were looking for, and that's so great. Even remote areas, you can find what you're looking for and find your truth and stop swimming upstream, as you put it, which I'm going to use that forever now. Thank mm-hmm. you. Um, it's so great that you've you've found that. And it... Yeah. You know, I was just going to say, face-to-face is always better. I mean, you know, you, 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 you've got to admit, but, but having said that, yeah, you, you can access stuff now. We're very lucky with the internet. You can access stuff now. Um, but I, I've, myself and, and um, one of the uh, local nurses have set up a, a um, peer support group out here, mm-hmm. and it's fairly low. We have to stay fairly low key because trans being what trans is, it's you know it's visual. Um, and we had our first one two Fridays ago. We actually were supposed to start two months before that, but things mucked up at the, those other two and there was no takers anyway. We did advertise. Um, but we had takers this time and, and ended up, we had two people come along. And peer support is absolutely 
I would say almost probably a hundred percent crucial mm. for people. It is people because you you I, I know two things I identified when I got sort of once I started at the gender clinic. Two things I identified was in in your area and and we do we do this through the peer support group. We have accurate information of what's available out here to local people in in our in our area and we also are here for peer support and I'm registered like Headspace and Lifeline have got my number. They can call me if they need a peer for any reason. Um and and that was and, and peer support was the other thing. Uh, information and peer support and that friend I told you about we go camping and stuff now. Um yeah she's She's just been, you know, invaluable. When I the first time I sat down and talked with her was actually uh, that trip when I came down to Brisbane and um, <laughs> went around to your place, Jess. Um, it was uh, it was really really wonderful and and um, yeah, to to just to be able to sit down with someone who is trans and there's lots of things, just little things, little nuances, I guess, uh, that that unless you are trans. You can't really um, relate. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, relate. It's important to have that have that network and have that current information. And that's all what we're trying to do here is get the correct information out, stamp out any misinformation that's out there, and support people to to network. So, look, Joe, thank you so much for sharing your stories and your experiences and your life with us. Um, over these two episodes it is really helping paint a picture of how diverse the trans community is um a quick question for you joe we've just had a question come in on the sms line that group um that you were talking about was that on social media or is that uh through another support group that you know like that private group that you were discussing um online um the the pride group yes the rural pride yeah, group, pride. yeah, yeah, rural pride's on um, pretty regional or rural. Might be rural regional pride or regional pride. Mm-hmm. I can't remember now. It, it, it might be regional pride. I'm not sure. That's that's the main one. Is that on and, Facebook? Is it? And, yes. Okay. Yes. Lovely. And and we've we've got our own one. But if I tell you what area, then I'll <laughs> no, <laughs> that's blown. fine. Uh, no, <laughs> but 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 I'll, I'll tell you off air, and if anybody wants to ring up and ask you, or you you're welcome to okay. tell them. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. Yeah. Well, Joe, we're going to um, wrap up the chat with you because we've got um, Dr. Fiona Bishop coming through next to talk about all the aspects of medical transitioning from the point of view of a GP who is in that field. So. Thank you for your time, and we hope to chat to you again soon. And next time you're in town, first round's on us. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank you. Take Listen, care. Cheers. This is Searchlight Rainbow Conversations. You're on Bay FM 100.3, where we are so much more than just great music. You're listening to Searchlight on Bay FM 100.3. You're on Searchlight Rainbow Conversations right here on Bay FM 100.3 for our second part conversation about transgender awareness. And this evening we are talking about transgender and gender diverse physicality. We've got our guest this evening, the amazing Dr. Fiona Bishop, 
who is a GP based in Brisbane, studied at the University of Queensland, has a special niche for working in the area of LGBTI health, HIV medicine since 2001, has an active interest in the research in this area. Fiona is experienced in transgender medicine and is the president of OzPath, the Australian Professional Association for Trans Health. Please welcome to the Searchlight Round of Conversations, Dr. Fiona Bishop. Thanks so much, Jasper. It's a pleasure to be here this evening. Thank you very much. So it is Transgender Awareness Week, and we did speak about that a bit earlier in the program, and Transgender Day of Remembrance is coming up later in the week. Um, and obviously you're you're very busy doing a lot for that, and your social media does reflect that you've been, you know, very very active in that. Um, what are you? What's going through your mind this week, especially with with that? So I've been working in the area of trans health for um, over a decade, and during that time I've had the privilege to meet a very large cohort of people of all ages who have wanted to transition or have already transitioned. And um, when I think about Trans Day of Remembrance and and transgender awareness, I'm reminded of the people who have not survived the transition process. And the Trans Day of Remembrance, as we know, is there to commemorate the memory of those people who have died by violence and because of transphobia. So it is a bit of an emotional time thinking about that. Um, But for me, the whole idea of the week is to really promote awareness and to remind us that we have a job to do as allies to the trans community. It is very um, emotional, this subject. I mean, the the crimes against trans and gender diverse people and then the the self-harm is is really confronting. A lot of information seems to come up about that. So obviously there's a lot lot to do to, to create safer places and get better information out there and I guess that's sort of what we want to do tonight is sort of get the information out there about pathways. So I'll ask you about um, OzPath that's so it's the Professional Association for Trans Health. What is your role there as president? Yeah so um, OzPath exists to bring together health professionals um, and allied health professionals and people who work professionally to support people of trans experience. Um, So it's a collection of doctors, psychologists, psychiatrists, social workers, speech pathologists, um, all manner of different uh, people whose role is to help uh, promote the health of trans people. Um, It's a fantastic organisation. We're involved a lot in teaching in uh, creation of guidelines, in advocacy, and especially important is the just the fact that we can get together as a group and we can network online um, and improve that network. And our membership has really grown in the last couple of years. We have nearly 400 members across Australia, and we do cover all states and territories. We have a conference every couple of years, uh, which is also open to community to attend. Um, where we get to present the latest research, share um, new knowledge and talk about better ways of doing things. So um, it's a really fantastic um, organisation and uh, on our website uh, you can actually see all of the guidelines and standards of care that um, we've collated there. So um, it's a pretty good resource actually. 
Excellent. And we will put the link to that website in the description of the podcast. Uh, so people can, if you're interested, check it out. I, I had a look at it this morning. There's a lot of information on there. And I see you've got a conference up next year, up in um, the, the top end. And Yeah, sadly, we had to, we, it was supposed to be in August this year, but we had to postpone it because of all the lockdowns and yep. nobody could travel. Um, but rather than turn it into a, a virtual meeting, we, we felt it was really important to be able to meet in person. Um, so this is going to happen in May next year. Okay, and so the, the agenda sort of moved forward from, from what you were going to do this year. It's all about human rights and incorporating the youth. What I'm, am I correct That's in that? That's right, yeah. I mean... Trans rights are human rights and the right of trans people to access um, proper health care is vital. Um, and one of the themes of the conference, the theme of the conference is building bridges, walking together uh, into the future. And so very much we want to talk about, about youth and pathways for youth as well. So pathways is definitely something we want to talk about this evening. So there's a lot of misinformation out there and I really want to clarify it that you know, there's not doctors doing surgeries on children. That's you know, that sort of stuff is definitely. That's a misconception. Yeah, that isn't accurate. And it's it's out there, and it's it's, it's you know, can you clarify that? So what what is the step? Yeah. So you know, we've got a young person wanting having the identity of not the identity that they were assigned at birth. What is the pathway for that person? Mm. Yes. Well, if you paid attention to the tabloid press and believed what they have in, on there headlines you'd think that that was the case that kids could just turn up and say by the way today I'm such and such and then go off and have all manner of treatment um, but they don't actually do any research uh, those journalists and they don't really understand or even care what the reality is they just want to sell papers so it's just a sensationalist nonsense the reality is that uh, if a young person has a gender identity that is not aligned with the gender that was assigned to them at birth then um, there's a, there is a definite pathway and process involved. So here in Brisbane, we're really lucky to have a fantastic clinic the Queensland, at the Queensland Children's Hospital. They have a, a gender service there, which uh, unfortunately the wait time for that has grown somewhat in recent years, but it's an excellent multidisciplinary service which will see young people uh, and work through their gender identity with them. Now, it's not a conveyor belt. People don't come in one end, uh, go in one end and then come out the other end with hormones and, and a letter for surgery. It's not really the way it works. There are lots of people who are referred to that service who never progress beyond their first appointment. Um, it's, you know, they, they really do have a good assessment. And a lot of young people who are gender questioning will get to the clinic and then will realise it's not what they want. So um, they're not really counted in the statistics. So the people who do progress, those are the people who need access to puberty blockers. So puberty blockers are reversible medications that put puberty on hold and they buy time for a young person while they can go through an assessment process, while they can um, become more, um, I suppose, sure of what it is that they want to do. If they ultimately go on to get uh, hormones, then um, that's managed through the service as well until they age out of the service once they turn 18. So for some young people, they will spend many years going through that service. Um, so it is, it's certainly not a, a quick 
you know, a, a one-stop shop where you just turn up and get your hormones and then that's it. it, it there's a proper assessment process and, and um, it's multidisciplinary. So there's there's different, there's pedi- pediatric endocrinologists, there's uh, psychologists, social workers, psychiatrists, um, and they all work together in the best interests of the young people who are referred through to them. In the first episode where we looked at the identity and the internal struggles, for lack of a better term, of coming to terms with uh, realising that yourself doesn't match the outer shell of your body. And we talked about the... Uh, are you aware of the Kai Shapley story, the short documentary from the um, the girl from Texas? Uh, no, I don't know that one. Okay, sure. well, it's a uh, Emmy award-winning short documentary. It's all available on YouTube, and we played a clip from the documentary because Kai realised at the age of four that the mindset didn't match what her body was, and so it it really informed me and hopefully the people that listened to the first uh, part one of transgender awareness that. Gender is such a one of the first things that we are told that we are, you know, boys and blue and girls and pink and all of these uh, very social normative assumptions that immediately, as soon as kids sort of reach an early age, they they realise it doesn't match. And it's so good that Brisbane has such a diverse clinic that that deals with the psychology and the physiology that yeah it's it's so important to affirm these kids and realize that it's not oh okay well you know a four-year-old realizes that they're not in the body that they match and then by the time that they're six years old they've had the surgeries and they've done all the things and they've on their way and they're having a happy life like it's it is such a multi-layered conversation it is such a multi-layered issue. So um, I'm so glad that Brisbane has such a wonderful place where people can go. Yeah, we are really blessed. There are um, excellent clinics like this in other parts of Australia as well. And yes, they're not performing surgery on kids. No. Uh, Surgery happens when people become adult. um, The hormones come after a period of time if it's deemed necessary or um, if, if, that, if it turns out that's what they really need. Um, so for most kids who go on to puberty blockers, they will probably end up going on to hormones because there's a reason why they went on puberty blockers in the first place and that's because they had extreme distress at the, um, the puberty that, and the changes of puberty that were about to commence in their bodies. And so, um, you know, when they're putting kids on puberty blockers, they're saving them from the fact that they want to harm themselves and that they're feeling sometimes suicidal about the fact that they're about to get a deeper voice or um, start menstruating, etc. It must be a nightmare, an actual living nightmare. If you are identified as a male at birth and you realise at the age of four that you don't want to be a boy anymore, that you feel like a girl... And then you realise that puberty's coming and you're going to evolve into a man and it just... Well, that's right. And, it's the and living these nightmare. are irreversible changes, you know, the deeper voice and, and the facial hair, those are things that, that they don't go away once they've occurred. You can't reverse those with hormones. And, and um, being able to put that on hold 
is really life-changing for these young people. And you only have to talk to their parents to get the feedback that this is so, so important for them. In my professional life, I've treated hundreds and hundreds of adult trans people who never got the opportunity as children to do this um, for whatever reason, because when they were young, society was less accepting, the services weren't available, there was no children's gender clinic, or they may have told their parents and their parents um, either didn't believe them or worse, abused them because of it. Um, So I'm seeing the aftermath of lack of care for young people in my adult trans population. And if they could go back and change one thing, they would go back and change their puberty. Wow. And these puberty blockers, from the information I've seen online, that they are, like you said, completely reversible. Um, The parents have to be signing off on it. Both parents. Both, Both parents signing off. And the only sort of potential downside is that it can um may cause issues with bone density is that am i right in thinking that yeah yeah you you've done your research (laughs) basically the bone density issue is is one that people get a bit hung up about but most people once they go on to hormones either by restarting the naturally occurring puberty or by going on to the hormones of the gender they're affirming um their bone density catches up and okay, within so a couple a of years, it often thing, right. goes back to you know to normal. Okay, that's that's really interesting because that was you know, that's sort of something that has come up as being a big negative. Um, so I'm glad you cleared that one up. So once someone's moved past um, dealing with the Queensland Children Gender Service, then they can go on and then then look at the the surgical options to affirm their gender. Yeah, that's right. And we have. Um, all surgical options available here in Queensland um, for people who want to affirm their gender. The biggest um, difficulty is the cost that's involved because none of them are available in public hospitals at this point in time. Um, So for most people, they go on to do what surgeries they can afford if they want them. I guess we have to understand too that not everybody is the same and not everyone has the same level of dysphoria or discomfort for certain aspects of their body. So, you know, there are many trans women out there who've never had genital surgery, but are still women. They're still absolutely women yes. in how they present, in how they think, and how they live their lives. How they identify, um, yeah. Yeah. And, and, and by the same token, uh, some trans men will have hysterectomies and will have phalloplasty, which is the creation of a surgical penis. Um, but probably the main reason that most don't is because it's incredibly expensive and the results aren't always as great as they might have hoped for too. Okay. So there's a you know an element of realism there. Uh, you have to make do with what, what you can have. Um, and most trans people will find a way to become comfortable with, with those aspects of their bodies. And for those who don't, then they find a way to change it. I guess it's it's more can. about being being comfortable, being socially transitioning, being accepted, and feeling right for how, well, that's how you. Right. Yeah. I mean, when we walk down the street, we don't know anything about the genitals of anyone who's walking past us. Exactly. And we don't need to, right? <laughs> it is an interesting um, conversation about that, and it's something. There's several 
parts of this conversation that are correlated with our conversation on intersex awareness where... Mm. I was just thinking that, Jazz, yes. Where we've got people going, you know, someone, you know, is identifying as trans or intersex and the, the same sort of situation happens where people go, well, what kind of genitals do you have? And it's like, do you don't ask people. <laughs> like, it's this strange confronting notion. And there was a few other things that, and one of the other parts that I saw the correlation with is what I think you've described as the trans broken arm syndrome, where mm-hmm. the, I, I felt in the conversation we had with um, Bonnie Hart from um, the Intersex Human Rights Commission, Commission. Yes. saying that this, a similar thing happens where the intersex people go to the go to the, the doctors and then they you know for a, a, a runny cold. a runny nose and then they get you know a thousand and one questions about their intersex status and it, it seems to be a similar issue with trans people in in the medical back in the medical setting. So is that something that you address uh, through Ozpath in in educating? Yes, well education is the key because if you can educate medical professionals to be more aware and understanding of what it means to be trans and what it is that trans people need, then, of course, it will all fit into context with their patients and they won't need to have this fear that being on hormones is somehow going to affect everything else um, medically. You know, people are hung up on the risks of hormone therapy rather than seeing the the benefits of hormone therapy. And um, one of my best friends who's trans talks about gender euphoria, which is the incredible, great feeling and improvement in someone's life from being on hormone therapy, um, rather than focusing on the dysphoria and the negative. Let's talk about the positives of being able to affirm your gender and to, and to have treatment. And you know, with OSPATH, we want to in, increase the number of doctors, especially, who feel comfortable and understand how to prescribe hormones, because the reality is that for adults, any doctor can write a prescription for hormones. We do it all day long. We're constantly writing prescriptions for contraceptive pills, for um, treatments for menopause, for treatments for testosterone deficiency in cisgender men, um, to treat heavy periods. There's so many aspects of our daily life where we're prescribing hormones. We actually are good at prescribing hormones as GPs. And we should be able to be good at prescribing hormones for trans people because it's actually not that different. Um, And so OSPATH really uh, wants to promote the education of GPs. um, And we have education days and we're involved in a module, an online module that will be available for GPs so they can learn more about prescribing hormones. Um, Speaking specifically of pathways of care for adults, uh, in the past to be able to get onto hormone therapy, trans adults had to go through a process of being assessed by mental health professionals to make sure they were trans enough to be worthy of of treatment. Uh, And most trans people would would consider that to be gatekeeping Mm -hmm. and and found it to be dehumanising and disrespectful to them as intelligent and um, mature people who are capable of making their own decisions about their bodies and having bodily autonomy. And so I'm a big believer in the informed consent model for for um, adult patients where they understand, they have the whole um, conversation with their doctor about what the risks of hormones are, what the irreversible changes of hormones are, and then um, they can start hormones. It's as simple as that. And that's the way I've been practising for a number of years. That seems like a sensible way to do it. You know, give the give people choice over their own bodies. That's... 
That's what we all want. Exactly. Yeah. And why should being trans make you a special, uh, make it a special situation where you don't have the same rights as other people when it comes to healthcare? Absolutely. Now, I did see an amazing um, clip on the Australian story um, about Michelle um, Telfer. Yep, and, and yep, she's the past president of Oscar. Oh, okay, right. Okay, cool. Um, and the, the struggles that she went through, and it, we we watched it, and were both tears in, over coffee. Tears. It was just, it was so amazing. The 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 guts she had to just get in there and go. No, we're gonna we're gonna look after it. And so you you've actually taken over her role, have you? Yes, yes. So I was vice president of, and when she was president of OSPAS and um, she handed over the reins to me to uh, middle of 2020, actually, just to, at the beginning of COVID, really. Mm. Yeah. Wow. So she's, she is an amazing person and she's done so much for trans health in this country and for trans youth and was you know, instrumental in, in getting our Australian guidelines produced for the treatment of trans youth, uh, which are internationally acclaimed and have and uh, are, you know, used or iterations of which are, are referred to by various gender clinics all over the world, um, they're they're really an excellent excellent set of guidelines. That's fantastic, and it's wonderful to hear that Australia is leading in this field. You know, we're we're right yeah, up there. I mean. In some aspects, we are, and the fact that we've got more GPs wanting to do informed consent and to manage trans people in their general practices, because um, in some countries you have to see a specialist for everything to do with trans health, which is outrageous. Yeah, it shouldn't be that way. Um, I think we still have a ways to go um, compared with some European nations and with England when it comes to access to surgery, because in many nations around the world and New Zealand as well, you can get your gender-affirming uh, surgery um, on the NHS in the, in the UK and on the National Health Scheme in a number of other European countries and in New Zealand too. So it would be fantastic to see that uh, happening here. Is that something you are, you are fighting for or, or lobbying for? Oh, uh, yeah, I mean, it is something that's on our on our agenda to one day be able to have that available here in Australia. And I've also also heard you speak about you know getting correct data on the transgender or diverse population, and I've I've heard you speak about the the two stage gender question. Could you elaborate on that for us? Oh yeah, sure. So a lot of um, programs that manage data don't record gender properly, and it's because you know when you're using a computer program, you have to. Fill in the fields, and if the, if there's only one field for gender, then it doesn't give you the option to record that someone is actually transgender. And it's really vital because if we don't record, then we can't. We don't know how many trans people there are. And if you don't know how many there are, then you don't know what what the needs are for that community, and and what and what the health what the capacity needs to be for that community. So the two stage gender question is really quite straightforward. You ask someone what their gender is what is your gender or the gender they identify with or their preferred gender and then you ask them if it's the same as the gender that they were assigned at birth okay and if they're answering no to that then it means that they yeah okay. and you know some some programs some computer softwares 
will actually go further and give you extra blank fields where you can put in more detail about that. And, you know, you can get um, software systems that give you options for different types of salutations. So instead of Mr. and Mrs. and Miss, you can also have MX for people who are non-binary. Oh. Um, yeah, so there's a few there's a few other things that can be done to improve how we collect um, information and how we record it. And this is definitely part of the, the census discussion that is sort of sparked this year? Yes. Well, we really wanted them to change this, the question in the census and there was a big petition to do that, but they, in the end they didn't do it, um, which is very frustrating. I guess we'll have to wait another four years. Yeah, we did briefly talk about the gender questions in the census for the intersex episode that we did with Morgan Carpenter. Yeah. Yes, mm-hmm. he had a, mm-hmm. lot, a lot to say on that. I'll bet they did. Yeah. Now, <laughs> besides your amazing blog, which is just full of really great research, which I've actually cited you in our HIV episode previously because you've got a lot, a lot in that area. You obviously you do all your stuff with Ozpath, but you also write for Q News, I believe. Well, I did up until, when did I hand over the mantle? Earlier this year, I handed over to uh, Dr. Reese Young because I'd been doing it for over 10 years and I had a bit too much on my plate. And also I thought, they really need to hear from someone new. So I thought, well, let somebody else take on that job. Uh, and I, and so I, I, I handed back my quill to Destiny, who's <laughs> the editor. And um, let let Reese take over. But that was so fun. I loved writing for Q News. It was one of my most favourite gigs ever. Oh, well, that's really enjoyable. And to be able to get information out there to the community is so important. We avid readers of Q News. It's a it's a great storehouse of information to find find out what's going on and you know and go to back to the back issues and you know. See what's yeah, happened. you can read all the old columns online. I think I don't know about my very earliest ones. I think one of the very first ones I wrote was about the the perils of giving oral sex to someone whilst driving. <laughs> 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 um, but it's been a great way to educate the community about prep and um, sexually transmitted infections and a loads of issues to do with trans um, awareness and and trans health. So yeah, it's always um, very mu- very much on my radar. What's happening in Q News? Great little mag. I'm going to go back and read some of those uh, articles. <laughs> I can tell you now. <laughs> now um, we're obviously we're going to put up the links for the the Queensland Children's Gender Service. We'll put up mm-hmm. information for a lot of different organisations. But are there any that you can point us towards that people listening might need to get in touch with to help? find out information or start a process for themselves or others? Yeah. So um, it's about finding uh, practitioners who you can feel comfortable with. Um, There are a couple of ways to do that. You can um, go to the OzPath website and look on the providers section for your state and see who's around. Um, You can also go to TransHub. TransHub is a fantastic website that has loads of really great information about everything to do with trans, and I highly recommend it, TransHub, um, to everyone. The other thing is that for young people, there are some really great support organisations, and the one that I rate, and they just won their 
I think, their third or fourth trans award in a row. Uh, it was Open Doors Youth Service. Um, so they are located in the valley and Open Doors provides support, one-on-one therapy. They have an art therapist, they have a social worker. Um, they are really, really great. And they have a little social group for young trans people. Um, so I can't rate them highly enough. I have used, I've put a lot of information up about Open Doors. They, they do great stuff. So I have great. definitely looked at them. Yeah. Alrighty. Look, is there anything else Excellent. you think we need to talk about on the discussion about transgender awareness? Um, I think that if, that if someone is um, questioning their gender and they, uh, they should be able to talk to their GP about what to do next. And if their GP doesn't know, their GP can, can go online and find out. There are a number of um, clinics around Brisbane, private clinics, where you can see people like myself who um, specialise in gender. The other place is Stonewall Medical Centre. And, of course, there's the gender clinic down at um, Queensland Council. And and there is also a gender clinic that's run out of the Royal Brisbane Hospital for trans adults. You have to be 18 to be referred to that one. Bit of a wait to get in, but they also provide a multidisciplinary service for people who can't afford a, a private service as well. So good to know about all of those. It is fascinating to know that there, there's a lot out there and... It's it's really evolving rapidly and giving safe spaces, which is very important because the the statistics I've seen on self harm and abuse, yeah, all of the, the all of the things that you don't want you you your loved one or your children or anything involved with spikes as soon as yeah, unfortunately, as soon as the trans is brought up, it spikes. All of those statistics yeah. are just huge. And the more that we can affirm and love and help. And normalise, yep. Yes. Being trans is part of the normal human spectrum. It's not a pathology, not a mental illness. Um, it's And it's okay to be trans and, and we need to be able to affirm them, support them and let them get on with their lives. Absolutely. Well, thank you for joining us Sounds this good. evening, Fiona. It was fascinating to hear your perspective as someone who's on the ground involved in this topic really heavily so thank you for your time and thank you for all that you do it's my absolute pleasure thank you so much for inviting me on anytime at all anytime at all <laughs> well, Sergio, we're going to go to a song now and we'll be back for more of the conversation on transgender awareness on bay fm 100.3 Searchlight Rainbow Conversations with Tony and Jasper on Bay FM 100.3. That was such an interesting conversation with Dr. Fiona Bishop. Just a powerhouse of information and just, you know, legend. Legend in the, in the rainbow community for sure. I just very much appreciate someone of her calibre coming on the show. Yes, it, uh, and you know, in... Trans Awareness Week, where there's a thousand and one things going on. Um, we appreciate the time given by all of our, our fabulous guests. Uh, it really make it it'd be hard to have a conversation without without guests to talk to, wouldn't it, Tony? It would be. <laughs> yep. It would be. Well, it's time for the Rainbow Roundup. Rainbow Roundup. Let's chat about some of the support services that we have covered tonight and some of the places we've found information for tonight. And when we put this up on podcast, which 
this week we are going to put last week, last month's episode and this month's episode up uh, side by side. For Trans Awareness Week, yeah, yeah with, they're both being uploaded this with week. With a mountain of different resources. There is so many resources, so I'm going to run through them quickly, but if you don't catch them, don't worry. They will be put up on the podcast on bayfm.org.au. Or wherever you find quality yeah, podcasts. That's the one. So ozpath.org, that is the professional organisation that um, Fiona Bishop works for. So that's A-U-S-P-A-T-H dot org. So much information there. The transhub.org.au, that has a wealth of information that's broken up into um, social transitioning, medical transitioning, all the, all the different aspects, just go nuts. There is, there is plenty of information. For parents or caregivers of gender-diverse children, it's parents of gender-diverse children, which is pgdc.org.au. They point you in the direction of great services and they've got a phone number you can ring to get in touch with them. Um, for the Bayside, there's not a lot going on, but the one place to go check out is Brook Red. We've spoken to um, Sam from Brook Red on the first episode, which is November last year. That was a, it was over a year ago we had that conversation. Well, that's brookred.org.au, and check out the Capalabar branch, which is at 53 Mount Cotton Road, if you want to go check it out. Otherwise, their phone number is 3390 one 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 six and that Australian story that we mentioned with Michelle Telfer that is uh, available at abc.net.au and then go to Australian stories and it is there ready to go and Dr Fiona Bishop's website also has so many amazing articles on her blog that are really worth reading um, that's drf I-O-N-A-B-I-S-S-H-O-P dot com. It's Fiona Bishop, but with an extra S. Yes. Yes. And uh, Open Doors, a wonderful organisation. Their website is opendoors.net.au. Their phone number is 3257-7660. And Beyond Blue, that uh, Jo mentioned, that really helped her. That phone number is one three hundred. Double two four six three six, and their website is beyondblue.org.au. Well, I think that's about enough. If you got all that down, then you're a, a speed writer. But it will be it all will up be, on the podcast. Yep, yes, we'll put it all up there, and we do put lots of different links up on our social media. So check out Radio, sorry, Rainbow Conversations on Instagram. On Instagram, we have we have a mountain of different links there that we love pointing out the right direction. Look, there is one date coming up before our next searchlight. Yes. And that is December the 1st is World AIDS Day. And look, do check out. If you missed it, we had a really interesting chat with Lance on on yes. the HIV AIDS episode, which a 40-year retrospective on what's happened. It's really interesting to, to keep up to date with that. But yeah, World Day, World's Aid Day is coming December 1st. Check it out. And uh, we will be back next month with our Christmas special, our second Christmas special, all about mental health, suicide prevention, having those conversations. Yes, it's 
a lot of people are a bit shocked that we do that around Christmas time, but that's when it needs to be talked about. Yeah, and the first one was a very interesting episode for us personally to sort of get that conversation started, but we saved lives with that episode. We had people messaging in for weeks afterwards with the most amazing stories. So we're gonna we're gonna do it again. We're gonna have a chat. Okay. The date's not set yet, but we'll will be coming in December. Check it out. But look, every Monday night from seven o'clock, there is a fascinating searchlight. Whether it's Entrepreneur's Journey, the conversations with Ken and, Ken and Dean, mm-hmm. or Philippe, and all of the searchlights are available on bayfm.org.au. If you want to find out any of the information about the searchlights, go check out the website. Thank you for joining us this evening. My name's Jazz. I appreciate the listeners. My name's Tony, and thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you for the SMS messages. We always appreciate it. And we'll be back next month on Rainbow Conversations right here on the heart and the soul of the Bay. Bay FM 100.3. Searchlight Rainbow Conversations with Tony and Jasper on Bay FM 100.3.